just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Sunday. A few things happening over the weekend. We've got things to talk about, so don't worry about that. But yesterday was kind of a transformational day for me. Very eye-opening. I think I lost a little confidence yesterday. You know, I've worked in radio for 40 years. I don't have a lot of talents, but I think talking is one of my talents. I think I can be pretty persuasive, and I think I'm good at negotiating. Unfortunately, yesterday, I was bested, and I was soundly bested, and it was kind of depressing. I always have pretty good luck when I'm in conversations with folks or negotiations, but yesterday... I got played like a fiddle. Let me explain. I went to my grandson's basketball game, as I typically do. And at my grandson's basketball game was my granddaughter. And every time she sees me, she comes running over. Grandpa, let's go in the hall. Let's go in the hall. Because she wants to run up and down the halls. And I'm happy to oblige because, as I told my son at one point, I said, you understand this little girl... This little girl will never hear the word no from me. Whatever she wants, I'm getting it for her. Whatever she wants to do, we're doing it. And he looked at me, he says, you can't do that. I said, fuck, I can't. (laughs) So anyway, my granddaughter and I are running up and down the hallways. And we have one issue that we need to fix, I need to fix. My granddaughter and I have a lot of like inside jokes or things that we'll do with one another that we both laugh about. And one of those is uh, she thinks it's hilarious to say, Grandpa Poopy Butt. I've told you that before. And because I'm all about egging her on, I say, you're a poopy butt girl. And then she laughs about that. And it's kind of an inside thing. And mom and dad kind of tell her, don't do that, don't do that. And I'm not helping the matter much. And uh, then it got to the point where when she was leaving or whatever, she'd come up and whisper in my ear, Grandpa Poopy Butt. (laughs) And I would just laugh. I don't see it disrespectful at all. See, everybody in my family is a smart ass and giving each other shit is a part of a way we show love for one another. So when she does that, I think, that's my girl. But anyway, I was thinking about this and I I thought, you know, I should probably honor my daughter-in-law and my uh, son's wishes and try to get her to stop saying poopy butt. And I was telling my wife, I said, you know, I I can handle this. Don't worry about it. With these little guys, I, I found a trick. All you have to do is distract them or point them in a different direction. And it always works. I did it with my kids. I do it with my grandkids. They start crying about something. Then I point them at something else. And then they forget about crying and they focus on that. So we're running up and down the hallways and uh, there's some, it's in a school. So there's some lunch tables and chairs and she likes to go over there and sit there like a big girl and kind of play talk amongst us. So when we were sitting down, I had this plan. I said, I'm going to engage her in conversation and talk to her about this little issue we have and maybe give her an alternative that won't get either of us in trouble. I told my wife this, and she goes, you really think you can do that? I go, of course. Talking is what I do. So anyway, I'm sitting down there with this little girl, and I said, honey, we got to talk about something. Now, keep in mind, she's not even three yet, so this is probably a fool's errand anyway. But I try nonetheless because I'm kind of an arrogant cocky fuck. So anyway, I figure I can pull this off. I figure I'm smart enough, and I figure she's smart enough. We can work this out. 
So I said to her, I said, you know how when you call me Grandpa Poopy Butter, Poopy Grandpa? She says, yeah, that's funny. And I said, you know how I, I call you Poopy Butt Girl too? And she goes, yeah, that's funny. I said, that is pretty funny. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But you know, mom and dad don't really like it when we say poopy butt. Not just you, but me too. They don't like it. And I said, maybe we should do something different where we can still play that game, but mom and dad won't get mad. She says, okay. And I said, what if instead of saying poopy butt, we say the word goofy, then mom and dad won't get mad. So, for example, instead of calling me Grandpa Poopy Butt, you call me Goofy Grandpa or Grandpa Goofy. And I call you Goofy Girl. I said, do you understand that? She goes, yeah. I go, do you think you would be willing to do that? Can you do that? Instead of saying Poopy Butt, uh, say Goofy Grandpa. And she says, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I said, well, that's, that's very good. You're a smart little girl. I knew you could handle this. And so I said, let's try it once. And I, I looked at her and I kind of smirked and I said, hey there, goofy girl. <laughs> and she looks at me and she starts laughing. She goes, you so funny, Grandpa Poopy Butt. And she runs away expecting me to change her. So I had this all planned out. I was sure I could do this. And I accomplished nothing. A three-year-old played me like a fiddle. So I found that a little depressing. And my wife said, well, don't feel too bad. She's three. She probably didn't understand. And I looked at that little girl's face, and she understood exactly what I was doing. She fucking played me. So I got bested by a, not even a three-year-old yet. And as much as that's depressing to me, <laughs> it just reinforces in my mind about her she is one smart little girl. She's going to be a smart-ass little girl, and I couldn't be prouder. All right, let's get down to business here. Let's talk about some things. Got some sad news. Well, not fully sad news, but uh, concerning news anyway. Former U.S. President Jimmy Carter will begin receiving hospice care at his home in Georgia, according to a statement from the Carter Center on Saturday. Now, most people believe that once you go into hospice, that's just the waning days of your life. You're there to be comforted and taken care of, pretty much waiting for you to die. But I had a grandmother one time. She lived to be 96 years old. And I've told I've talked about her before. I told her the story why I said you can go now, that whole story. Anyway, this woman uh, was, you know, she was at a point where she was non-communicative. She wasn't as healthy as she was, and she had been kind of a whizzer before she'd bounce around like a white tornado all the time. In fact, we used to call her that. She had white hair. We called her the white tornado because she's running around doing shit constantly. But at this point, she's in bed. She's not talking. And I get a call from the doctor, and they said, uh, we're, we're putting your grandmother in hospice. And immediately I thought, okay, the end is near. Okay, I have to resolve that in my mind. I have to deal with it. Well, she was in hospice for about three months. And then they called me up and said, you know, we got to take her out of hospice. She's doing pretty good. And then they put her in hospice again about a few months later. And then they took her out again. And then finally, for a third time, she was in hospice and she passed away. So I don't know how imminent death is, but Jimmy is 98 years old. Now, after a series of short hospital stays, former U.S. President Jimmy Carter today decided to spend his remaining time at home with his family and receive hospice care instead of additional medical intervention. He has the full support of his family and his medical team. What's weird about Jimmy Carter is, uh, I mean, this guy was helping building house uh, houses for Habitat for Humanity. Jason Carter, a one-time Democratic state senator in Georgia and the former president's grandson, said he visited Friday with his grandparents and that they are at peace and, as always, their home is full of love. Now, Jimmy uh, 
turned 98 last year. He became the oldest living U.S. president in history after the passing of George H.W. Bush, who died in late 2018 at 94. The nation's 39th president has kept a low profile in recent years due to the coronavirus pandemic, but has continued to speak out about risks to democracy around the world, a longtime cause of his. Now, interesting, this isn't the first time he's been seriously sick. Carter beat brain cancer in 2015, but had some health scares in 2019, consequently underwent surgery to remove pressure on his brain. You remember, if you're old enough, you remember that Jimmy was a peanut farmer and a a lieutenant in the Navy before going into politics. He was a Democrat, eventually served one term as governor of Georgia and then president of the United States from 1977 to 1981. This is right in prime time for me. I was 17 when he went into office, uh, 21 when he went out of office, and uh, the first time ever I voted was in 1980, or voted for president was 1980, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I voted for Ronald Reagan. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, you're the rational boomer. Why would you vote for Ronald Reagan, that fucking evil motherfucker? Well, you have to understand the times were different. And Jimmy Carter took a beating because during his four-year term, a lot of shit went bad. The economy was horrible. I think we had like mortgage interest at 15, 16, 17 percent, which is absolutely crazy right now. People are freaking out when it's 5 percent. But it was bad. The economy was bad. You had the gas shortage, which was absolutely fake and phony. We didn't have a gas shortage. We didn't then. We don't now. We never will. Um, So anyway, people were looking at Jimmy Carter as a bad president. And I don't honestly believe he was a bad president. I think he had two things working for him, working against him. Uh, first of all, the economy is more cyclical than it is something that presidents can control. I mean, presidents do have an impact. Obama did. And even Joe Biden has. There are some things they can do, but in a lot of cases, it's very cyclical. It's a matter of luck when you're in office, if you're on the way up or on the way down. Now, the Republicans add to that fall down because of the stupid shit they do. But it's still cyclical. And if you remember in that time frame, um, we had the Iranian hostages. We had these hostages in Iran. What was it? Ayatollah Khomeini was the leader of Iran then, and he was some radical religious freak. And he was an enemy of this country. These American citizens were held in captivity for 444 days, if I remember right. And and people were getting upset about it, you know, much like you would think people would talk today. You know, you had the conservatives going, why don't we just go bomb the piss out of them, drag them out? I probably even said that back in that time period. And, of course, Jimmy Jim, Jimmy Carter was more methodical. He was more calm. He was all about human rights. I mean, he was also the one responsible for brokering of the Camp David Accords in 78 with Egyptian President Anwar Sadat and Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begin. And uh, that's one of his main legacies. So people thought he wasn't very tough. And I don't know, maybe he wasn't very tough. But it turns out he was probably one of the, if not the smartest president, according to IQ and other tests, the smartest president we ever had. And the interesting thing about um, Jimmy Carter was that it seemed like he was honest to a fault. And that may have been his downfall. Because we know there are very few 100% honest people in politics these days. You have to have some, uh, some um, corruption and criminality in your soul in order to 
survive in politics. And Jimmy Carter just didn't have that. I mean, the craziest thing he ever did, the only scandal he ever had is, I think he did a um, an interview with Playboy. And he owned up to the fact that at some points, I do have some, uh, what's the word he used? Impure thoughts, something along those lines. Well, he's a man and when you're a young man in your 20s and 30s, 90% of your fucking thoughts are impure anyway. I'm thankful to say when you get in your 50s and 60s, that calms way down if you're normal and you aren't driven by sex anymore. But for a young man to think like that, that's not so crazy. But Jimmy Carter took a beating because they thought he was weak. They thought he was bad for the economy. And uh, it's a sad situation because when it was all said and done and he was a former president, there's never been a former president that's done more for people, for humanity, than Jimmy Carter. Um, As much as the time when he was in office, it wasn't the greatest economy and there were some other issues. He is and always was a pretty decent guy. We should be very proud of Jimmy Carter. Uh, We understand economies can go up and down. Um, and if it is cyclical, maybe not even Jimmy Carter's fault. But he's now in hospice. He's 98 years old. He's not doing well. So I guess we should prepare for the inevitability that, that he will pass away. He's of that age. And when that happens, it's going to be a sad day. It may be the last honest politician we've had in this country. Well, I won't say the last honest one but certainly the last most honest one because this guy didn't seem to have a flaw at all. As much as people look back to those times and and they have negative thoughts about it, we should try to appreciate having a man of his stature and of his integrity in the White House. I don't know that we'll ever see that again. And that's a sad thing to think about. So Jimmy Carter is in hospice. His time is running short. He's 98 years old. I won't say what the Republicans will say. Thoughts and prayers. But we will be thinking about Jimmy. I think at this day and age, most people love Jimmy Carter. And it's a sad day when we lose him. But uh, after all the work and all the efforts he's put in, he's entitled to his rest. All right. Now, we've been hearing about Fox News. I've talked about them in the last couple, maybe few, podcasts. And, of course, what we know now is that while Fox News was out spewing the big lie and all the lies and bullshit that was going on, um, they, they knew exactly what they were doing. We see from text messages and such that they knew it was all a big lie. They knew it wasn't true. But they ran into a problem because on election night, on election night, they uh, they called Arizona for Joe Biden. They were the first ones in all of the media to do that. And there was a lot of people outraged by it. Donald Trump, number one. But all the little Trump fucks, the people that follow Donald Trump, they were upset, too. And they noticed a dramatic change in viewership. So right then they said, Jesus Christ, we this is costing us money. Our stock prices are going down. We can't have this, so what will we do? Well, we know what they did. They showed no integrity, and in spite of the fact that they knew it wasn't true, they chose money over truth. They can continued to perpetuate the lie, to talk about Joe Biden, talk about Democrats, and lying all the way. Well, that got them in a situation because they were spewing about Dominion after somebody announced that Dominion did something with the election machines to steal the election. They knew better than that. They knew that wasn't true, but they still talked about it. And they fucked around and found out. So now they're getting sued by Dominion. But here's an interesting thing that we didn't know and we just learned yesterday. Donald Trump reportedly called in to the Fox Business Network following the violence 
by his supporters at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. But executives wouldn't allow then-President Donald Trump on the air. They said, no, we're not putting you on the air. They decided it would be irresponsible to provide him with a platform, a court filing has revealed. And honestly, as much as I hate to say this, that was a good choice by Donald Trump. Donald Trump has just incited an insurrection. He was whipping up his crowd, his base. And if he had been allowed to be on Fox News, that as crazy as it sounds, has a pretty huge audience. That could even be more devastating. There could have been more violence. So Trump dialed into Lou Dobbs tonight, attempting to get on the program, according to the bombshell brief filed Thursday by attorneys for Dominion Voting Systems. The company is suing Fox and its parent, the Fox Corporation, for $1.6 billion over alleged defamation. But Fox Business Network president Laura Lauren Pedersen said the network believed it would be irresponsible to put him on the air and that Trump's words could impact a lot of people in a negative way. And that's uh, according to testimony in that brief. The host of the program, Lou Dobbs, was a staunch supporter of Trump and his baseless claims that he lost the 2020 presidential vote due to a rigged election. The interesting thing about Lou Dobbs at one point In his lifetime, he was kind of a respected newsman. Then he went off the rails and pulled this shit. Now, Dobbs regularly interviewed Trump and his allies on on the air during his presidency. Now, Fox was kind of upset with Dobbs, and Fox canceled Dobbs' show just weeks after the January 6th attack on the Capitol. One of the first uh, victims of those being connected to Donald Trump. The House Select Committee that investigated the riot was unaware during its probe that Trump had reached out to the Fox that day. Fox is defending itself in Dominion's defamation case by arguing that freedom of the press and freedom of speech are protected by the Constitution. But courts in the past have ruled that deliberately lying is not always protected. It's as we've said before. You can say whatever you not want, but there may be some consequences. It doesn't mean you have complete immunity from saying anything you want, especially if it happens to be lying about a presidential election or inciting a riot. And the whole First Amendment right thing is, is kind of not right here, because really the First Amendment right has everything to do with the government, You can say whatever you want and the government can't shut you down. But a private company like Dominion, it really doesn't apply to them. And if you're trying to damage their business, they have a right to sue. Can you imagine if Dominion was a Republican entity? They'd be suing everybody for everything they fucking can. And they would be arguing with the fact that they have every right to do that. Fox is making a lot of arguments, and one of the defenses might have been that, oh, we didn't know it, was, it wasn't true. We were just telling the story as we knew it. But Dominion's doing a very smart thing by releasing these bits of documents showing that Fox uh, host and Fox management were texting amongst each other literally admitting that we know this is bullshit, we know we shouldn't be doing this. So this puts Fox in a bad situation. They told the lies for a long period of time. We now know because of the text messages that they were aware that they were lying on the air. Now, their First Amendment right, even if it did apply to a private business, and it doesn't, they did get to say all that stuff. But when you say shit, you will get some ramifications. I mean, I just heard a story recently. This is an interesting comparison. We know that Ron DeSantis in Florida is taking all the books off the shelves of schools and libraries, taking all of them. And then they're going to go through them and only send back those they approve of which sounds a lot like Nazi Germany. 
I like to call it Nazi Florida, which is weird because their lifeblood is in tourism. And if they're a Nazi state or something similar to it, how many tourists are going to want to go there? And then when the tourists stop going there, they have no money. And then we have a broke-ass Nazi shithole in Florida. And that's a sad thing because Florida is a beautiful state. There's a lot of great people in Florida. I would hope the people of Florida will rise up and vote their conscience and vote uh, what's important to them. Even the Republicans, they have to understand that they're hurting themselves right now. They're destroying the educational system in Florida, and that's just not a good move. That's not a good look. But anyway, Ron DeSantis took these books off the shelves, and there was a substitute teacher in one school down in Florida. I don't remember the city. It doesn't matter. But she happened to be in the library. And uh, when she was in the library, she was quite taken aback by the fact that there were no books, not one book, or not many books, on the shelves in this school's library. Well, how the fuck can you have a school, or a library for that matter, without any books? And naturally, she was kind of appalled by this. So she pulled out her cell phone, her smartphone, and videotaped it. And then she put it on social media. Seems fair enough. Ron DeSantis said he was going to do this. She played a video of him having already done it in this particular location. She puts it out, and the fucking thing goes viral. So what happens to this teacher? Well, she gets fired. What about her First Amendment right? All she did is expose something that was true, and she gets fired. But Fox News and Republicans think they can spew things that's not true and not have any accountability. You see the comparison there? This is how Republicans do everything. You can't do anything against us, but we can do whatever the fuck we want. And they've been getting away with this for some time. And this is the time when the Democrats have to turn the tables. Fight fire with fire. When they go low, we go lower. I know that's against what Michelle Obama said, but that's the only thing that seems to work with these fucking clowns. This is the only thing that they understand. And we must stop them. I mean, what's going on in Florida is absolutely devastating in my mind. They're affecting young people's minds, young people's education. They're forcing them to look at racist ideology, anti-Semitic, misogynistic, overturning Roe v. Wade, all this shit. And what's crazy is we know what Ron DeSantis is and who he is. Still, he ran for re-election in 2020, and he won by 19 points. What is fucking wrong with the people of Florida? Now, not all people of Florida, just those Republicans, those trump that want to get behind Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, you remember, is the same guy that uh, set up a charter plane, sent it over to Texas, and sent um, immigrants— to uh, Cape Cod to make a point by sending these people to rich liberal areas. That turns out it may be illegal. You see, everybody's worried about Ron DeSantis running for president in 2024. He's a lot like Donald Trump in the sense that every time he does something, he fucks himself over. He embarrasses himself. He implicates himself in some crime. And if you think that Ron DeSantis is going to hold the standing he currently has by 2024, you're fooling yourself. Because what he's doing is having negative impacts on the state of Florida. At some point, people are going to say, what the fuck? At some point, the legal system is going to come knocking at his door. Ron DeSantis hasn't announced that he's running for president. And I'm willing to bet even if he does announce that he's running for president, he will never be the candidate for the Republican Party in 2024.
especially after we see what happens with Fox. Now, Fox is going to get sued. They tried to dismiss the case and all of that, and they said, no, we're going forward. I wouldn't be surprised if Fox News tried to tried to uh, settle the case. But I think at this point, Dominion needs to make an example of them. And I believe that's what they're thinking, too. I mean, what do they have to lose? They don't really need the money, but they need to make the point. They need to mete out some accountability so that people like this don't do it again. This certainly was damaging to their business. I think there's more in it for them if they go to court, go to trial, and all this evidence, like we're seeing dribbling out now, come to light. Expose Fox News for who they are. The funny thing is, and I haven't been able to do this yet, but I'd love to talk to a Trump humper that says, hey, I watch Fox News, that's the real news. Well, we know it's not news at all. It's all opinion and entertainment. And clearly now we have evidence that it's mostly lies. Do Trump fucks see this and say, wait a minute, we had no idea. Maybe we need to rethink this. Well, I'm here to tell you they probably won't. They don't care if they lie. They don't care if Donald Trump lies. They just want what they want, and as long as their agenda is being pushed forward, that's all they care about. Any kind of crime, any kind of corruption is um, acceptable to them so they can get what they want. We're dealing with a lesser quality of people, people that don't have integrity, don't appreciate integrity, and thereby don't have any credibility. There has to be some accountability down there. Fox News needs to be fined for $1.6 billion. And while it won't necessarily shut them down because they made a lot of money lying to people, it's certainly going to bite them in the ass a little bit and make them think twice before they do it again. Moreover, it's going to make other entities that aren't as wealthy as Fox think twice before they start lying again. And that's good news for us. As long as we count on honesty in our reporting, whether it be from the right or the left, that's a plus for us. At this point, it's hard to get the truth or the whole truth from the left or the right side. So we've got some problems in the media. They are responsible for the divisiveness in this country because everybody has a different story and everybody knows different facts and not everybody knows all the facts. So hopefully Dominion will be able to make their point, put Fox News back on their heels. Fox News gets embarrassed by being exposed for being liars and being implicated in this defamation, showing that it was intentional. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. As I mentioned, Dominion is doing something that's genius by exposing these texts that were passed along by management of Fox and by the hosts. Even the staunchest supporters of Donald Trump, the biggest sycophants to Donald Trump that are hosts on Fox News were saying some pretty crazy shit. Fox News host Tucker Carlson called then-President Donald Trump a demonic force and a destroyer in a text to his producer after thousands of Trump supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. He knew that was pretty fucked up, and he knew that was a bridge too far. Carlson goes on to say, but he's not going to destroy us. And he added the text revealed in a court Thursday that lays out how Fox News knowingly spread election lies. The 192-page filing, part of the ongoing $1.6 billion defamation suit against Fox News by Dominion, reveals private messages between several network hosts and employees, as well as the main dude, Mr. Evil himself, Rupert Murdoch. Now, of course, Dominion alleges that Fox put Trump's sycophants on the air, including Trump's personal lawyer, 
Rudy Giuliani and campaign lawyer Sidney Powell, both fucking nuts as can be, despite knowing that they were spouting baseless conspiracies, including the claims that Dominion machines changed votes during the 2020 election. Carlson said in one of his texts, Sidney Powell is lying, by the way. Fellow horse, fellow horst, <laughs> there's a Freudian slip, fellow host Laura Ingram in November 2020 said, it's insane. On November 5th that year, Carlson also expressed fears that Trump could easily destroy us if we play it wrong after Fox News called Arizona for the Democratic rival Joe Biden, while the upper echelons of Fox News apparently knew Trump had lost the vote fairly. But that didn't stop the network from platforming those like Powell and Giuliani, who continued to spread conspiracies of election fraud without evidence. Now, keep in mind, Dominion is also suing Powell and Giuliani for like a billion six apiece. Now, moreover, Carlson railed against co-workers who would dare question these lies, according to the filing. Now, when Fox reporter Jackie Heinrich fact-checked those false claims on her Twitter account on November 12, 2020, Carlson suggested that she loses her job. Please get her fired, Carlson texted host Sean Hannity, according to the document. Seriously, what the fuck? I'm actually shocked. It needs to be stopped immediately, like tonight. It's measurably hurting the company. The stock price is down. Not a joke. You see where their big concern was? Money. Not the truth. Not the facts. Not justice. How much money are we losing? Now, after insurrectionists attacked the Capitol on January 6th, Uh, Carlson told producer Alex Pfeiffer that Trump is a a demonic force, a destroyer, but he's not going to destroy us, despite continuing to publicly defend Trump on his program. He thinks he's a demonic destroyer, but he goes on the air and talks about how great Trump is and how poor Trump got robbed in the election, even though he knows otherwise. Now, these newly released texts are just another example of how Carlson fouled Trump's lead, even when he disagreed with it. As the coronavirus began to spread in early March of 2020, Carlson actually drove to Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort and warned him, dude, you better take this seriously. Carlson told InfoWars Alex Jones afterward, I tried, man, I tried. Now, by the following month, As Trump continued to ignore the severity of COVID-19, Carlson himself apparently stopped regarding the virus as a threat, instead repeating conspiracy theories shared by Trump that minimized the danger of the pandemic. Now then, less than a year later, and just weeks after calling Trump demonic, Carlson broadcast a show on which right-wing pillow magnate Mike Lindell spouted such conspiracies on air after previewing them for Carlson's staff during a pre-interview, according to the court filing. See, they were caught between a rock and a hard place. They're in business for one reason, to make money, to make money for their shareholders. Truth and justice is an afterthought. If we can make money by telling the truth, great. But if we have to lie about it, that's cool too. Whatever it takes to make money. I don't think ever in their lifetimes would they imagine that they could get sued for lying. I think they believe they're all powerful and they can say what they want to say and the First Amendment would save them. Now, they got every right to say it and they did say it. But again, they always seem to forget that there is consequences for some some speech, you know, like it goes back to uh, screaming fire in a theater. I don't even know if that's really illegal. But the point is, is if you do something and you harm somebody else, that's where the freedom ends. I, I remember hearing somebody say to me one time, your rights end at the moment your fist hits the end of my nose. And I think that pretty much explains it.
you can say whatever you want, but if it's a lie and it hurts people, well, you're going to be accountable for that by way of defamation or whatever other charge they can uh, put against you for knowingly lying on television. What Fox did over the last six years may be as damaging as anything Donald Trump did. They had the ears of millions of people. And for whatever reason, these millions of people believe the bullshit. And when they believe the bullshit, they become outraged, they become violent, they become stupid. And this is why we have the divisiveness in this country. I don't know if you remember when I've talked to Trump LaFox before, and now when I talk to him now, it's always the same thing. They'll spew some conspiracy theory or some stupid comment, and I'll say, well, that's not true because here are the facts. More often than not, the answer will be, well, I've never heard that. Now, either they're lying or they truly have never heard that. And if they've never heard that, you got to know that these people are only going to one or two locations to get their information. And there's no money in it for these uh, networks to give them all the facts because that won't get them outraged or scared or nervous or whip them up. And that's how they get an audience. Now, we have proof of it. When they were lying on the air and they realized it, they decided to try to go straight after that, try to go honest. The moment they did that by calling Arizona, people had a mass exodus away from their viewership, and it started to cost them money. So now they were panicked. What do we do? Do we stick to our guns and be honest about this, or do we continue the bullshit and lie, the dog and pony show, the circus, if you will, and we still get to make the money we expect? Well, we know what they chose. They chose the money over truth. Now, those Trumplifucks that listen to Fox News, I'd love to talk to one right now. I probably won't have much luck getting one to talk to me. And then I'd have to get them to listen, too. But now that this information is out there, and they were always so solidly behind Fox News, now that we know, now that we have actual proof written by their own hands that they knew it was all lies, but they still spewed the lie on the air, what would these Trump LaFucks say? Will this make, make a dent in the Trump LaFucks who buy into all the bullshit? Well, I think it might affect some. Some may be bright enough to get it and, and decide to look at this differently. But as I said earlier, mainly what Trump LaFucks do is they... They don't care if it's a lie. I mean, we saw it with the Trump administration. He was caught in so many lies, it's ridiculous. And it appeared as though the Trump LaFucks, evangelicals, and all those people didn't really care if he was corrupt, if he was criminal, if he was misogynistic, if he lied. They didn't care because they believed he was pushing the agenda that they wanted. That wasn't even probably true. Donald Trump had no interest or care about doing what these people wanted. All he wanted to do was enough to get their votes and get their money, which he did. Will this open up some eyes with Trump LaFucks? God, I would hope so. But the ignorance they've sown to this point, I'm not feeling confident about it. I don't know if they have the wherewithal to process the truth, comprehend the truth, and then react accordingly. There's been nothing that's happened over the last six years that would lead us to believe that they're capable of that. So this is good to get Fox News exposed, get them sued, take a billion six out of their ass, and see where that leaves them. Hopefully, it will open the eyes of those Republicans who aren't as crazy conspiracy theorists as the others, the ones that are more moderate, going, holy fuck, I cannot believe that. Well, you should believe it. You should have known it four years ago. You should have known it two years ago when you had the insurrection. I mean, I, I read that little conversation I had on Facebook yesterday with Robert, and he's still insisting that January 6th was not an insurrection. 
It was simply a protest, and as far as I know, protests aren't illegal in this country. This dumb fuck could have sat and watched it on television, watched them crash into buildings, watched them beat cops with flagpoles and tase them, and he still has the audacity, the ignorance to say, it was a peaceful protest. Now, these people are just delusional, or they're, they're knowingly lying. That's the only two options there could possibly be. Now, through this all, I've said many times that uh, the one benefit the Democrats are going to get over the next two years is that setting up for the 2024 presidential election, we're going to have Republicans fighting with Republicans more than Republicans fighting with Democrats. It's going to be a shit show with the Republican Party. And Donald Trump has his close aides currently digging up dirt on Governor Ron DeSantis and has no qualms about using whatever they find if it will keep the Florida conservative from jumping into the race for the 2024 GOP presidential nomination. This sound familiar? Remember when he went to Ukraine looking for dirt on Biden and found none? Now, I got to be honest. I think if you dig deep enough on Governor Ron DeSantis, given his mentality, his um, extremism, I'm thinking you're going to find something. The interesting thing will be will, will be if they find those things that they kind of support. They're going to call them out for criminal or corrupt or ridiculous behavior. But it's stuff that they would have gotten behind had it been Donald Trump. I think we're bound to see something like that. Now, according to a deep dive into the deteriorating relationship between the former president and Ron DeSantis, um, both trying to become the face of the party, the Washington Post documents when things started to go downhill between the two and how Trump was convinced to back DeSantis in 2018, much to his regret now. Now, as the Post documents, the former president was talked into forming an alliance with Ron DeSantis by his former campaign manager, Brad Parscal, as a marriage of convenience. Now, Brad's currently got some problems of his own um, in some of these investigations. He may go to jail. The report notes Pascal begged Trump to set aside a public tiff, according to people familiar with the conversation, and that Trump should go should back DeSantis' campaign, arguing that if DeSantis lost his race that fall, it would make it harder for Trump to win the state in 2020. It's not just for him, Pascal told Trump, it's for you. And those are the magic words for Donald Trump. How do I benefit? How do I enrich myself? So as much as he may have been against uh, supporting Ron DeSantis, he realized that it would help him in the long run. But now I'll guarantee you what's going on. I don't know if Brad Parscale is still working with Donald Trump or not, but he's certainly getting the blame for all that's happening with Ron DeSantis and how competitive he is against Donald Trump for the Republican nomination when he hasn't even announced that he's running for president. Now, Trump has ceded to his wishes, and now that Trump has witnessed the rise of DeSantis, the former president has been expressing dismay that the Florida governor won't wait his turn when it comes to running for president and appears to be poised to join in 2024. Now, as I say, it may appear that way to a lot of folks, but he has not announced yet. So Donald Trump's already mad at him, and he's willing to try to tear him down. And I say, go, Trump, go. Tear him down because, Trump, you've been destroyed to the point where you can't ever hope to run for president again. So if you can help us take down DeSantis, I'm in. Thank you very much. That would be a great service to this country, which is rare enough for Donald Trump. Trump once liked how DeSantis defended him on TV and could advance his own political interest in Florida. Now, these days, he sees DeSantis as an impediment to his bid to return to the White House. He's a young guy, Trump has told advisors. Why would he not wait? Well, because he doesn't give a fuck about you, Donald Trump, and he thinks you're a pariah. 
he thinks this is prime time to run against a guy who's becoming weaker and weaker every day. See, Donald Trump doesn't get that. He thinks he's strong as he was in 2016. He thinks his polls are great. He thinks his rallies are amazing, but they're not. He's losing support every day. Now, as the report notes, Trump's people are ramping up efforts to derail DeSantis' plans should he announce. So that's what Donald Trump is doing. You say, go find some dirt. Go dig up some dirt. <laughs> um, now, on, on Trump's political team, of course, DeSantis is the biggest threat. Trump advisors have begun to compile opposition research on DeSantis, and several people close to Trump said he wants to make DeSantis think about whether he wants to get in the race. They plan to paint him as aloof and cold. Trump has watched clips of DeSantis debating particularly against Democrat Charlie Crist last fall and has given advisors dim reviews of his skills on stage. Donnie thinks he can beat him in a debate, and he probably can because, because honestly, Ron DeSantis is kind of a dimwit. He really is. He's not very charismatic. He's not very articulate, and he comes off dumb. The report adds Trump advisors say he wants to make it painful for DeSantis to enter the race, and he has repeatedly taken warning swipes before adding that Trump already has made his feelings about the Florida governor telling a reporter, Ron DeSantis got elected because of me. You remember, he had nothing. He was dead. Nobody accomplishes anything but Donald Trump, even though all Donald Trump does is fucking fail. We've seen it time after time after time. Donald Trump is a complete and utter failure in everything he attempts. Now, Trump, (laughs) you know how Trump loves assigning nicknames to people, you know? And they're never really very clever. But that said, people do get attached to them and they find them funny. Well, he's really not hitting the bullseye yet with Ron DeSantis. For a while, he tried Ron DeSanctimonious. Oh, that's clever. I don't even think Donald Trump would knows what sanctimonious means. And there's been a report out that he's referring to him as Meatball Ron. <laughs> well, that's pretty fucking lame. Trump has called DeSantis Ron DeSanctimonious on multiple occasions, but according to a New York Times report published Saturday, Trump has referred to him as Meatball Ron in private conversations in what is apparently a reference to the governor's appearance, his Italian ancestry, or both. (laughs) Governor DeSantis is kind of a roundhead, and uh, he is Italian, and... um, Never never be surprised that Donald Trump doesn't let an ethnic slur go by if he can use it. Now, according to the Times, the former president has also privately referred to DeSantis as shut down Ron because of restrictions he initiated early in the pandemic. Well, let's be honest, Don, had you done anything during the pandemic, he may not have had to shut anything down, but you fucked up that one, too. Now, DeSantis hasn't announced that he's running for president president in 2024, but he hasn't ruled it out. Trump, who believes the governor owes him because of his gubernatorial endorsement in 2018, Trump declared his candidacy in November, and DeSantis is widely believed to be a contender in 2024, even though he hasn't announced But Donald Trump seemed to be offended by the fact that somebody reported that he referred to Ron DeSanctimonious as Meatball Ron. What do you think he said? Well, first of all, Meatball Ron is a lame-ass nickname. And Donald Trump didn't like somebody somebody, uh, said that about him. And then people laughed at him. So what does he say? He says, fake news is insisting I will. Trump stated on his social media platform, True Social, even though Fox News um, 
killing lightweight Paul Ryan is revered by him. Low energy Jeb Bush is his hero and always at his side. His beaches and state were closed for long periods of time. His testing, testing, testing for the China virus didn't work out too well, and his loyalty skills are really weak. It would be totally inappropriate to use the word meatball as a moniker for Ron. He probably said it. But now, because people find it silly, I never said that. I never said that. Now, he's denied this nickname uh, twice in four days. He's kind of in an upheaval that people think he... We're talking about nicknames here. Not about facts, not about policy, not about corruption or criminality. He's upset and taking up valuable time trying to deny the fact that he called Ron DeSantis Meatball Ron. He said, all of the fake news is reporting that I spend large amounts of my time coming up with good nickname for Ron DeSanctimonious, who is obviously going to give the presidential thing a shot, Trump wrote. (laughs) And this is what Donald Trump is thinking about. We got a country that needs help and things need to be fixed. He's under multiple investigations and probably will get indicted soon. And his biggest concern is that somebody may have said that he nicknamed Ron DeSantis Meatball Ron. He doesn't like it because it's a lame nickname and they're making fun of him. This is why this country is so fucked up. He's all about the show. He's all about perception, but he's not about details. And when we had the pandemic come through, we needed somebody who could deal with details and take care of the situation. But that wasn't Donald Trump. Donald Trump just said, yeah, it's not happening and maybe it'll go away. Now, there's a guy by the name of Glenn Kirshner. He is a former prosecutor. He's on TikTok. He's on Uh, mainstream media a lot. And I really like this guy because he seems to know what he's talking about and he's pretty blunt when he talks about things. He's pretty straightforward. Now, during an appearance on Dean Obadala's radio show, Glenn Kirshner predicted Donald Trump will rat out all of his friends if and when he's indicted. Well, that's, that's not a stretch. That's what Donald Trump will do. We've said that from the moment he was was elected president, that he will end up tearing down the Republican Party and he'll bring anybody with him uh, just to diminish his culpability, or at least how he thinks it diminishes it. See, that's it. It's just about a perception. If he perceives that he's better off by bringing somebody down, he won't think twice about it. Now, while Donald Trump may feel he has been getting good news lately, it seems like he will soon be indicted. The former president has long demanded loyalty from anyone in his orbit, whether they be workers or politicians. Kirshner doesn't think that loyalty will be paid back. Well, it never has been paid back. He was supposed to pardon all these insurrectionists. He was supposed to pardon these members of Congress, but he didn't. He was too busy worrying about himself. And thank God he didn't pardon these people. We don't need to have to deal with that ridiculous shit. Obadala asked his guest about Evan Corcoran, who is now Trump's legal team. Corcoran had worked with Kirshner with the Department of Justice, the former prosecutor answered. He, you know, I can't say that Evan Corcoran was thinking, but Donald Trump basically burns everyone who comes within arm's reach of him. Uh, that's true of his cabinet officials when he was president. It's true of his lawyers who ended up being disbarred and potentially prosecuted. It's hard to understand why people would compromise themselves in these ways for Donald Trump. And I've said the same thing. I mean, this lawyer, Corcoran, during the uh, classified document situation, he's the one that drafted the affidavit saying that there were no more classified documents. And then he had uh, Christina Bob sign it. So it implicated both of these lawyers in a lie. And one of two things are going to happen. They're going to be held accountable, or they're going to flip on Donald Trump, one of the two. 
Now, Kirshner went on to say, and here's the beauty of it. Once Donald Trump gets indicted, he will be indicted. He will throw every single person under the bus, including his own family members. If it will reduce his prison term by just one day or one hour. So hold on tight because that's coming. And I agree with him. Once the first indictment comes out, that's when the true shit show begins. I mean, you want to believe that we're in the middle of a shit show now, and and essentially we are. But this ain't nothing. Once he's backed against the wall and an indictment smashed into his face, gloves are off. He's going to come out screaming, and he's going to take everybody down. And you know what? That's good. That's good. Hopefully it saves time and effort by the DOJ. He'll bring them down. He'll implicate them. And then we can fucking indict the entire bunch of them and put them all in fucking jail. Former U.S. Attorney Joyce Vance believes. Let me just say this first. Mark Meadows was just subpoenaed by the DOJ. And so was Mike Pence. Now, Mike Pence says he's going to fight it take it to court, he'll lose, and he'll end up having to testify. But he's doing what every Trump LaFuck does. But in this case, this former U.S. Attorney Joyce Vance believes that Mark Meadows, the former White House Chief of Staff, is behaving in a way consistent with a cooperating witness. Interesting. Pence decides to fight it, but Mark Meadows doesn't. Now, we've been talking about Mark Meadows for a long time, back with the January 6th committee. He got real quiet for a while, and many of us presumed that he threw Donald Trump under the bus. He wanted to save himself, and frankly, he should. He was the one closest to Donald Trump on January 6th. He's the one that was the middleman that got all the communications, passed them on to Donald Trump, to Donald Trump, and from Donald Trump to these people. Now, Meadows previously represented North Carolina's 11th Congressional District from 2013 to 2020, chairing the far-right Freedom Caucus in his later years. Considered a close ally to former President Trump, he was brought in to serve as Chief of Staff in March of 2020, replacing Acting Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney, who took over following the departure of John Kelly. Now, during his time in the role, Meadows was accused of participating in Trump's attempt to overturn or circumvent his loss to Joe Biden in the 2020 election. We know that uh, Mark Meadows, in fact, went down to Georgia. He went down to Georgia. And I don't know if he cooperated with Fonnie Willis or not, because Honestly, if he gets a break with the DOJ, that has no impact on what's happening in Georgia. That's a state issue. The DOJ is a federal issue. And he's going to have to roll in both sections if he's going to try to come out clean in this. There's no question he is going to get burned. There's no question that uh, he is culpable for some of the crimes that were committed during the January 6th insurrection. He was in the thick of it. Nobody can be that close to Donald Trump and not have done something illegal. Now, he was previously ordered to testify before the grand jury investigating Trump and his allies' attempts to allegedly commit election fraud in Georgia and was most recently subpoenaed by Jack Smith, the Department of Justice special counsel handling various investigations. Now, you know he testified in Georgia. You know he tried to fight testifying in Georgia. But like all the rest, he lost. He lost, and he did testify in Georgia. So we'll see how he comes out of this when the indictments start to fall in Georgia. Will he get an indictment? Well, he should, unless, of course, he cut a deal. The DOJ, he should get an indictment, unless, of course, he cuts a deal. And honestly, it would be a shame if he cut a deal and got off completely. This guy is as big a criminal as Donald Trump is. He needs some accountability, too. So I hope they just gave him some time off and not full immunity because that's, that, that's not justice. This guy getting away free and clear is not justice. Now, during an appearance on MSNBC's Katie Fang's show on Saturday morning, Vance 
She's a pretty outspoken critic of Trump, said that Meadows' recent behavior indicates that he might be cooperating with the DOJ. Host Katie Fang expressed such suspicions due to the fact that he's been so darn quiet. Vance also highlighted the fact that Meadows' past behavior related to other Trump investigators might indicate that his cooperation is not a certainty. Well, we don't know if he's cooperating. We have no clue. Absolutely no clue at all. But it wouldn't surprise me if he was cooperating. I mean... This guy's going to get hung out to dry. He better do something to save his ass because if he doesn't, he may be in jail as long as Donald Trump or any of them. Because as I say, he was as close to Donald Trump as you could be during the January 6th insurrection. So I guess we'll see. I hope, you know, anytime I'm in a weekend like I am now or like we are now, I hope that the Monday coming up is always the start of this flurry of indictments. Well, it won't be Monday this week because that's a holiday. It's Labor Day. Nothing will happen then, but maybe Tuesday, maybe through this week, or maybe it's two weeks out, or maybe it's two months out. Who fucking knows? This all seems to take way too long. But everything is pointing toward Donald Trump. The walls are closing in on him, and he's got all kinds of trouble. And his biggest concern at this point is, Um, denying that that he nicknamed Ron DeSantis Meatball Ron. Go figure. All right, we're going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for spending the time in your day on a Sunday to listen to the Rational Boomer podcast. I hope you have a great day, and uh, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.